Hi and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So this podcast is all about inspiring you, motivating you, pushing you on to achieve more in your life, whether that's in business, property, your health and fitness, your personal life, every part of your life, this podcast hopefully will help you achieve more, do more and get to where you want to be. So just before the episode starts, I have just launched a new website called terryblackburnproperty.com. On there, I've got all of the services that I offer. So one-to-one coaching in business, property, time management, goal setting, sales, persuasion, loads of different things on there. I've got some online courses, some one-to-one coaching courses as well. So please have a look on there. Really appreciate your support. And if you want to get involved, you want some more specific help from me, you want some more one-to-one coaching and, and assistance from me to help you to get to where you want to be, it's all on there also got a couple of books on amazon and audible the be a lion which has won multiple awards worldwide now and the power of peas is the new one all about the different p words profit power perspective purpose etc i hope you'll really enjoy one last thing from me if you enjoy these podcasts and you benefit from them you learn from them all i ask is that you share it with your friends and family or someone who you think the episode is relevant to you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would massively help. The more shares we get, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast, the more people we can help and the more I can grow the show. So thank you so much. Get in touch if you like what you're listening to and don't just take notes, take action. Hi and welcome to the Rags to Richie show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So today's guest is a returning guest, Mr. Mark Shaw, good friend of mine, one of the most active property investors that I know, really good guy, really knowledgeable, and I thought we'll get him on the show again for a second time to share what he's currently doing in the current economic climate, um, strategies he's using, opportunities that he sees now and in the future, and just his advice on what people should be doing and maybe shouldn't be doing as well um in november 2022 and going forward so welcome to the show again mark all right terry good to be back again thank you very much for inviting me no problem mate i've only asked a few people to come back um and i think that says how much i, I think of you and the, the others i've asked to come back i really enjoyed your first episode all about lease options if anybody hasn't listened to it yet please go back fantastic episode one of the most listened to i've done so far um where mark explains lease options so I seen online Mark that I think you're up to how many lease options this year is it I, I think I've just touched 40 now just under 40 yeah three 40, 40 separate deals that's not 40 units that's 40 separate lease options right yeah, yeah. that's correct yeah 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 fair play fair play <laughs> and just for the listeners um is there any particular strategy obviously I know lease options but is there any particular type of lease option? Is it on a certain type of property? Is it on a certain type of landlord that you're buying off or certain type of vendor? Just a bit of an overview of the strategies that you're using now to find that many deals in quite a tough market. Um, well, to be honest, it's always been my go-to strategy since, since 2012. So the way that it really works is you find the property, then you assume you can do a lease option. So it's nothing to do with I'm looking for properties to do lease options on. It's I found a property now I'll I'll do a lease option. If a lease option doesn't work, then you you look for some sort of you know different approach. Whether you're going to sort of go for below market value purchase or a joint venture, 
But really, every property, you should be looking at doing a lease option, um, whether it's for a longer term or more of an assisted sale, say it's for 12 months to give you time to, to refurbish your property. So um, it's really any any property. So I'm doing exactly what I've, I'm doing now that I've been doing for the last few years. Nothing's really changed for you. No, what I'm noticing now are that the agents and vendors are a lot more flexible in their approach. So um i mean one example when there was that previous mini budget and everybody panicked i didn't watch the news and the only reason i found out what had gone on was i was contacted by three estate agents asking if i was still buying properties so you know it's it's more the agents are looking to work with you now and the vendors are really open to to, to this strategy yeah yeah I'm, I'm finding that as well whereas maybe the past two years they didn't really need investors like us as much um, now the tables have turned a little bit in the in the more keen to work with us because there's less demand. Certainly, first time buyers, home movers, I think there's certainly less of those floating around because of the rates. Um, but it's interesting. Just one one of the things you said there, like nothing's changed for you, really, has it? I mean, apart from you've maybe actually got access to more deals potentially than the past couple of years, and and I think that's the first lesson for anybody listening is the experienced guys who've done this a long time. Everyone that I've spoken to who's done this a long time recently, they're very much the same view as Mark. Like maybe it's a slight change in strategy, but they're just it's business as usual. They're just cracking on, doing the thing, not getting caught up, not panicking, not worrying, not watching the news is a good strategy in itself. Um, because it's never as bad as it is it as they say, or it's never as good as they say either. Uh, depending on the, the, the subject we're talking about. Um, and I think that's the first lesson. Just calm down, just Business as usual might need a slight change in strategy, but but just cracking on, and you're proving that doing fifty or forty odd deals year to date. You're gonna do fifty? Will you get a fifty-two one year and get one a week? Or? To be honest, I don't look for the deals; they get brought to me now. So um, I don't have a goal for any specific number. It's just as and when they they come to me. Mm. Okay, I think yeah, I remember you mentioned that in the first one, didn't you? Yeah, it's, it's very much. You don't even view properties. It, they're all brought to you from investors, landlords, as well as uh, estate agents, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, property source. Well, more investors that, that only think about below market value. So when they can't get it at that price, sometimes they'll just pass the lead on to me. And then obviously I've got a different approach. So sometimes I can actually end up with the property mm. uh, without paying below market value. Yeah. Um, one point I would just jump on, though, Terry, about the media. Um, as property investors, we do need to um, think more of what the media is actually saying, but this specifically to do with we know that it's going to be creating panic, and that's the opportunity for you as an investor. So for a long time, I've been sort of mentioning inflation, cost of living, just to sow the seed in some of the vendors or, or the agents' mind. So when they start hearing it on the news, it looks like, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. This is what's starting to happen now. Yeah, definitely. And, and looking at the news, not actually absorbing what they're talking about and too much in terms of paying attention to it. It's more like, how can this benefit me and how can I use this information? Because that's what most people are focusing on. How can I use it to then benefit me and get me more investors, more deals, more whatever? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Some people just say, don't watch the news. But probably a smarter approach is watching it and, and use that information to how, how how can you apply it to, to benefit you and your business. Um, I think that's a good point. And in terms of 
just going back to strategies because I want the listeners to get something from this episode and think, right, I could maybe start doing this. So when you view a property, it's normally a lease option first. I remember you said that in the first episode. It's not, right, how can I negotiate below market value or how can I finance this or whatever? It's, it's a different approach. It's almost got the opposite to most. But what kind of, you've said how you're finding them. What's your sort of strategy when you look at it? It's looking at it, how can I exchange with delay completion straight away? Or how, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of how your mind works and how you analyze these deals because you're not viewing them. How do you actually, have you got a bit of a process or what's your sort of um, methods? No, I mean, the first thing that happens is you see the property. Um, and once you see the property, you know which of your strategies that's going to fall in. So whether it's going to be cash flow, profit, or whether it's going to be a longer term asset. So if it, it was, a, say, a four bedroom bungalow, for instance, I'd be thinking, right, I want to hold on to this for the long term. So I'm, I've now got long term perspective. So I, I know at that point that I'm going to go for a longer term delayed completion. I'm happy to pay a higher price if need be. Um, but if I'm just going for cash flow, it's all going to be based on um, how much I'm going to be paying them a month. So the first thing you do is you look at the property and work out what you're going to do with it. And the yeah. second thing you do is you find what I call an anchor figure. So this is the figure that you're going to focus all your negotiations on. So if it's on the market, for instance, that becomes the first anchor figure. So um, with assisted sales, I'm doing a few of at the moment. Assisted sale is where you, you flip a property without owning it. The first anchor figure would be the price that it's on the market. The second figure that you need is how much do, would the vendor actually accept? Now, once I know that figure, then I can just reverse engineer um, to find out um, whether I can afford to pay her that figure. So say she wants 150,000. Can I spend a certain amount on the refurbishment and get a prof prof profit by selling it a certain amount? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I yeah. know straight away from looking at the figures and looking at the photographs online, roughly how much profit there would be if she agrees to accept that that figure she's happy with. If she is, then it's an assisted sale down. Well, that's down to how long it's been on the market. More often than not, that's what they'll 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 do the um, the deal on based on the fact that I can actually pay them that price. And in do you feel that assisted sales is 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 there a lot of those kicking around at the moment or is it or is it the same as usual or do you see, do you foresee more coming on the coming available or i've got a smile i foresee so much more coming on the market um and i'll give you an example um four or five weeks ago um three hundred and ninety five thousand. it fell through it's broken her chain she can't buy on um she reduced it to 375 but, but basically told the agent she would accept 330. Nothing wrong with the property at all. But even if she gets 330,000 pounds, a cash purchase is unlikely to actually get her the new property before Christmas, because there's only three or four weeks left before she can actually move into the property. But yeah. with an assisted sale, I can say, okay, how much do you need to save the chain? I'll pay that on exchange that will allow you to move comes off the purchase price and then I can remarket that at the 395,000. I've not paid any stamp duty, so my margin's a lot higher. All I need to do is really find that cash to give her on exchange to allow her to move through. And you're going to get a lot of chain breaks happening on that basis. So if you can find out how much they need to actually move on, 
um, and it fits in with your strategy, then it's worth doing. And the only reason I would pay a lump sum on that is because I'm getting such a huge discount. Otherwise, you don't try to pay too much upon exchange. And is, there, is there a general guide on how much you pay on ex Well, on that scenario, it was how much she needed to save the chain, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it, option consideration, which is the amount you pay on deposit, it's sort of, that's your main negotiating tool. You, what you do is um, you find out what problem a cash sum can can um, resolve. So for somebody that needs to move out of the property, that cash sum might represent six months advance rent on a rental property. Um, if they need um, £5,000 for a new kitchen, £5,000 as much as you pay. Um, this, uh, the easiest way to work out is how much equity they've got in the property. So if you're looking at some apartments now that are just starting to come out of negative equity they've probably only got five or six thousand pounds in so if i actually said okay when you sell this property at this price you're going to be left with six thousand pounds what if i give you six thousand pounds on exchange and take over your mortgage payments you might as well sell it to me as sell it on the open market where you don't you know with me you don't have viewings surveyors you don't risk losing tenants so it's it's identifying the if you need to put any cash down on exchange. I think that's maybe where some people get confused around this, this point is every deal is there's not like a one size fits all is it? It's not a percentage of the value. It's not this, it's not that. And I think when, when we did some sort of coaching together, you taught us like every single deal is different and it's the way you look at it. And it's it's almost forgetting the conventional and, and looking at the creative things first and working out what what problem there is that you can solve for the vendor. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And on a on a portfolio, there's quite that's what's happening in the market at the moment. There's a lot of portfolios. So if you've got a portfolio of five properties, Terry, you know, and you've got mortgages on all of them, but you you want a cash element, well, what I will probably do is I can either pay you a little bit of option consideration on all of them. Or I could buy one off your cash on, on the basis that I get all the other on lease options without me having to put a cash element down. So the way that the vendor looks at it is I've got a chunk of money out of the properties now and I've got no further responsibility or mortgage payments. So again, you just identify what works for them. But the only way you find out what works for them is that you question them. You find that information and you work with them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that you do really well. Um, it, you do a lot of it on email, don't you? Um, and and another, another thing that I learned from Mark was, and I've been guilty of this over the years, if you try to negotiate something, there's normally quite a few questions that you need answers to and things that you need to ask to get to the outcome. But instead of asking them all at once, which is what loads of people do, and I certainly have done it in the past, it's what about this? What about this? What? And you send these big chunky emails. It's actually far better to just send one or two questions, get a reply, another one or two, get a reply, because then you dupe them into a conversation, almost a little bit invested in the conversation, invested in the process, they feel like they're progressing with it by sharing information, and then you can go for a close later on. And that's yeah. something that you, you, you do really well. Um, yeah, I mean, if I could just sort of highlight, the reason that you're doing this is that most people now have emails through to their phone. So what you're doing is you're asking one or two questions and getting short answers and then replying straight back. And before they know it, you've built momentum um, and they're answering from their phone. You've also got a whole thread that they can look back on. But more often than not, because 
the momentum's there. You'll get the deal done in one evening or one Saturday morning rather than protracting negotiations. So it's just a lot quicker like that. And then, again, it gives you control because you don't get caught out with questions you can't answer. You get to think about what you put in and then you control the negotiations, control the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Opposed to a conversation that can put you on the spot, you can say something wrong and they can take your tone of voice the wrong way and all sorts exactly. of other when you're doing it. In a, uh, and likewise with face-to-face, it's the same same issue. Um, okay. Um, so, so you mentioned assisted sales. Is there anything that you are seeing a lot of at the moment? Because it's not just lease options you do. You do all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Is there anything that you're seeing a lot of at the moment or you can see coming? alongside assisted sales um no i can um as you know i used to own an estate agency so I, i've got a lot of contacts in there that the sales markets are just really really slow now agents and vendors aren't really appreciating it at the moment because the this the valuations are still there but what's not happening is it's the buyers you know these aren't getting through to completion um and you know we know at a later date the buyers are going to pull out so um i see a lot of chain breaks come in already started seeing that happen now especially after the first announcement everybody started to panic yeah. there's a lot of um people that um have used bridging with a view to you know once the refurbishment's done they're going to put it onto a buy to let mortgage and refinance a lot of them are getting caught out now because they don't actually cash flow so i call it like a Sarah Beanie thing where you used to watch the program and people used to make so many mistakes but the market used to bail them out that's what it's been like for the past few years and I think what's going to happen now is people are going to uh, if they don't get the figures right they're going to be caught out shall we say um portfolios going to be a lot of landlords selling portfolios part of it is because they're selling at the top of the market um they've been through this before um, and they're really just cashing out but with portfolios when I tend to do delayed completions, I'm not after um, paying them a huge amount on exchange. It's more to do with paying them a little bit of rent each month. So they get that guaranteed rent, but I've got a lease option at the end of it. Because with portfolio and landlords, you're looking at replacing the income, which is part of their solution, rather than just putting piles of cash into their bank. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, where I'm kind of, I think the struggle is going to be, um, I've disposed of all my properties. I've sold them at the, at the top of the market, but I've got a few pieces of land where I've got planning gain on them. That's just slowing down at the moment because some of the buyers are, are now waiting to see what, what happens. But um, yeah, agents definitely going to be open to more conversations with you um, and actually promoting your offers rather than just passing them on. Um, and so if I can give you an example, there's an apartment block that um, I've just agreed to buy we're building it and the vendor phoned the agent up and said that do you have any builders on your books um that would buy this and the first thing he said is we've got lots of builders but you need somebody like mark he was already selling me because he's very creative in what he can actually offer you whereas the builders you know you're going to be getting a large cash sum he might be able to offer you a creative solution so he'd actually sold me before i even heard about the deal and that's the relationship you've got to start building with the agents yeah, definitely. I've said this to a few people who I've spoken to recently. They're saying, like, you know, what can I do right now? You know, uh, either the deal didn't stack that they had got gone going about left, for example, like you mentioned, because of rates or this has happened, that's happened. But something we can all control straight away is getting to know letting agents and estate agents better. We can control how we network, we can control self development. Even if you're not finding deals, you can do all of those things. 
straight away. Christmas is coming up. Take the letting agents and estate agents who you know, bottles of wine, chocolate, flowers. That goes a long way. They're at the foot. You then become one of those people who comes to the forefront of their mind when a deal comes up. Like you've clearly got armies of estate agents and letting agents who think mark first, mark before anybody else, which is which is amazing. And that's partly part of the reason why you're doing so many deals because they keep bringing them to you and they believe in you, they know, they trust you, you're credible, you do what you say, you complete on stuff quickly when you say you're going to and stuff. So I think that's that's a, that's one point definitely that everybody can do, even if you're not in the market to buy right now, you can start doing that. You can start yeah. doing it as soon as possible. And you've not always got to have that relationship. You've just got to know what you're talking about. Um, and one of the things I sort of like focus on um, are assisted sales because they're very easy to explain to an agent. Look, your client needs this amount of money. You know the property is not worth that at the moment, but once it's refurbished, it will be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to guarantee to pay your client that price. So you're getting her the price that she wants. I'm going to pay and do the refurbishment, and then I'm going to put it on the market with you, and you're going to sell it at the higher price. So you're getting two fees, one of her, one of me. They understand that completely because as valuers they know that when they go to a property and they're taking a property on they'll know it's not going to sell at this price but i've got to put it on otherwise she's going to go with the competitor um, and an, an example of this was a few weeks ago an assistant sale on two properties i phoned up an agent and asked you know i'm looking for refurbs in a particular area he he phoned uh, phoned up and said that he'd just taken two on the night before and he was going to go out and take the photographs the next day do i want to meet him at the property when he's taking photographs and that afternoon, using email, we got two assisted sales agreed because he was really? shown exactly how to explain it to the client. But I also gave him the email that he could forward on to the client. So it made his job really, really easy. And that's one of the things you've got to do is think that if you try to explain an assisted sale or a lease option to an agent, they're going to mess it up. So you've got to put it in a format that they can just forward on and make their life easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And you know, I'll be interested if you've done any of these or, you know, because everyone's saying the market's going to go down and it's there's certainly less demand. Um, are you concerned in any way about some of the lease options you've done maybe two years ago that are coming to, and then now where you have to either complete or sell? Any of those going to go slightly wrong, do you think? Or have you built in enough into the deal? Or can you restructure it maybe to to avoid that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when, when you first do... Um a lease option you agree the transaction you've always made sure the figures stack yeah so even if the rents um even if the interest rates go up you, you're kind of covered because you've got it at the discount but it's down to what your strategy is if you um, agreed that transaction just for cash flow um sort of like a rent to rent then you know you've got to be very very careful with your figures but i don't do lease options on that basis um i always lock a profit in because i'm after the property going up in value over the years, like, you know, five years worth of rent, any kind of additional benefits, such as like the rent increases that you get over the five years. So when you take all the multiple income streams coming from it, you're more than covered. So even if the interest rates did go up, it, it doesn't really matter because rents have gone up anyway, but you've already balanced your portfolio and you've got other properties um, coming in at the same time. And you, you're always able to sort of like complete early or, um, what I have started to do with them, um, I've done it for a while actually, but on some of the existing options is that I've got back to the landlord 
And I've asked, would they contact their existing provider to see whether they can actually agree a fixed rate, but only their, their existing provider? And some of them now have actually agreed a five-year fix. Um, or um, if they're just going into an option just before exchange, I ask, can you just contact your existing provider? Because often, as you know, Terry, it'll be an online application um, and you get your mortgage offer straight through. And I'll do that just before exchange so that I've fixed it for, for the three, five years, whatever I've agreed the option period for. So you can always like go back and, and try to fix it if you want to. But, I, you know, you need a balanced portfolio. Everybody needs a balanced portfolio. So you're not really in trouble um, at any point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, that's, again, that's a good point. It's, it's being creative up front, but it's also being creative throughout the whole negotiation process if you need to. And once you've got the lease option, there might be some creative things that you have to do midway through that period or towards the end, extending it, reselling it, remarketing, all of these different things. I think, again, I think that's a lesson in itself there is it's, it's important to be creative and look at property from different viewpoints, but it's not just the negotiation point that happens, it's all the way through. Um, I think you don't know a deal where I think you'd done a lease option on a hotel or something and then you rent, rented it out or something. That was a really creative example of that. It was creative up front how you purchased, but it was then creative afterwards as well. So yes. you weren't actually in the hotel. And you, you've always got um, a term that allows you to assign it. So that basically just means you can sell it. So, you know, if the rents are all going up and your mortgage payments are high, then what you would do is, um, provided the figure stack, which they, they would do generally, is that you, you would put it on with an estate agent or put it on with a sourcer and you would have a third party buyer come in and buy it. Um, and then what happens is, you know, I've never owned the property, the, the buyer's buying it off the vendor. So I don't worry about the mortgage payments and I take my profit at that point rather than waiting until the end of the option period, because that, that property would work for somebody else, whether it's to live in themselves or whether they're quite, you know, these are the only interest rates they can get now as an investor. So, you know, you've got to take the long-term perspective, but be proactive as you go along. Yeah, I love that. I, I really fair, fair play the way you do things. I think it's a real, it's real intelligent and it's a real different and it's a real quite entrepreneurial way. I think you look at things opposed to some people who are just in property because they think they get a passive income and think they can leave the job. I think there's a lot more to it than that, mm. um, and it is more complicated. But if you get good at the complicated stuff, the stuff that others aren't good at, typically going to get results that others cannot get. Um, yeah, somebody somebody asked me the other day, do I if I can't get um, a lease option on a property, would I buy it as a standard sale? And I went through my um, records, and the last time I bought a property was two thousand and sixteen, the normal way. It's kind of been lease options or a joint venture or some sort of creative strategy since then, unless it's been a plot of land or something. And do you think that'll ever change? Do you think that'll be the way you stay? No, because um, the only way that it would work is if you get a really below market value property. But again, you, you're still tying up a significant amount of money. But people have got to, it's not, a, a lot of investors, in my opinion, think it's all about the leads. But, you know, I've seen people getting lots and lots of leads coming through. They do want the Facebook ads in different ways. But the problem is when the leads come in, all they know is below market value. But if a lead comes through and you you know how to give them the price that they want on terms that work for you, then you're doing deals when nobody else can. So why would you focus on trying to buy one property with cash when you know that you've got deals coming from everywhere and all you've got to do is to sit down and fly off an email and see whether they're open to a creative strategy? You know, you don't really need to be putting money in 
unless it, it works for you. Yeah, again, I, I just love the way that you look at things. Um, it's exciting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is exciting. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I, I just love speaking to people who are doing things differently. I don't like following the grain, mate. I don't like doing stuff in the conventional way. It's just the way I am as a person. And that's why I think I, I gelled so much with you because you, you just look at like you just look at things completely different to everybody else, which is, which is why you're doing forty deals a year um, and fifty deals a year and things. Um, so fair play, man. Fair play. Is there any particular things that you foresee? really taken off i know we've mentioned assisted sales we've mentioned obviously you do loads of lease options but is there anything that you see maybe that's not there now that is coming or or do you not see anything like that um i don't i don't really network and i don't keep an eye on the bigger picture because i just do my own thing but um you know i've started to come across and some some people have been telling me about um assisted living i understand yeah that, that can work um um service accommodation i don't know it's not I, I tried it once um i quite like um i've seen a couple of danny's posts about his boutique hotels i'm i'm setting one up at the moment only because it was agreed on a lease option and title split and things yeah. so i thought yeah I'll, I'll try that but um no because you know i've been around long enough to see everybody went after hmos when hmos were in and then it was uh, commercial to resi and then it was service accommodation trends come and go you know they work for some people but they don't work for somebody i've just always stuck to the same thing you know you get a property with as little money down as possible um you decide whether it's cash flow profit or a long-term asset and then you just kind of milk it for the period that you've got it for and you just acquire absolutely everything you can so you know i've had lettings agencies as well so i understand a short short old tenancies in, in that kind of area I don't do HMOs, so I'm in business with people that do do HMOs. And the same, I'm in business with people that do um, new builds. If I found somebody that was really good at service accommodation, I would probably go into business with them, but it's not going to be something I get involved with. So, I mean, what I would always say, stick with what you know and what you enjoy. Um, and for me, it's all about simplicity. I don't want to be involved in anything. I just want to do the deal and then then move on. Um, so, you know, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Um, there's a lot out there, but I just stick to the basics because you just, if you're making money, why, why change? Why change? Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that it springs to mind when you said that there's, I think a lot of people have this view of you start a buy less, you go to HMOs, then go to SA, then you gradually go to these big, huge developments where you're carving up office blocks. That's not necessarily the path that you have to follow. Just because certain people do on social media, I think that's what they think it has to be. But you don't, you haven't went, to, you just do loads and loads of deals, obviously some big, some small. But if that's what you enjoy and that's what you're good at, then you can just do loads and loads of volume of those and be very successful in your own right. You don't have to follow anybody else's path or going from small to large projects. It, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? No, so um, so you know, a couple of things that I've got on the go at the moment. Um, I'm I'm building with my business partner that does new builds, um, nine apartment blocks. We've just done a lease option to acquire the land, and we're building them. But that will be a long term asset for me. So as soon as they're built, they'll be refinanced, um, and we're building three starter homes, which is outside of Nottingham. But what I'm doing is we'll put tenant buyers in there. So again, you, you can still do the deals, you just have a different exit. So one I'll refinance and hold, you know, for a long, long time. And the other I'm buying and putting ten, tenant buys in there so I can make my money up front. 
So again, it's just how you think and see the bigger picture, but it's the same property. You just do the deal a different way. And um, before the call, I was thinking, what can I ask more? Because I could probably talk to you for a while and keep asking you questions. But I thought, what could, what would the listeners maybe like to hear? What would I like to hear the answer to? Um, one of them is, how <laughs> you're getting ready on, yeah? You yeah. Know, the people <laughs> that are listening. Um, how do you, is there any tips on this or is there any methods that you do? How do you juggle 40 lease options in a year? How do, because, you know, I've done 20 deals in a year before and that was a stretch, like, alongside everything I do. Is there a system that you use? Do you use notes? Do you use Word documents where you write your notes down? Do you have spreadsheets? Just dealing, and I imagine there's some deals that don't go anywhere as well. So you negotiate and probably... 60 80 deals a year if you're closing 40 maybe even more is there any tips you've got on just managing your workload and that many different moving parts to your life because i know you're coach and you do other stuff as well you're a family man so like, yeah i mean first of all i would say my conversion is very very high all right so what, you know, what probably talking about 80 percent but it's only because i'm not looking at things that i don't want or that i don't think a deal can be done so if i see a property on Lightmove, for instance, or get sent a link, and I look at it from the photographs, and I'm thinking, there's no, no point even trying a, an option. You know, it's got somebody living in it. It looks really, really nice. Why, why would I even look after, go after that property? So, you know, I, I just focus on what works for me. And if you've done that kind of template before, I've done a divorce. You know, I've I've done a portfolio. Um, I've done a landlord that wants to save tax. All you do is you just use the same template. Um, yeah. I. I have got a very short attention span. So what happens is I'll have multiple stuff going on at the same time, but I won't remember much of it. So what I've kind of built into my programming, if you like, is I can literally just look at the last couple of lines and it comes back to me. So it's like playing six or seven draft games at once where you just move and then walk around like your teachers used to do at the Christmas fair. So yeah. I can just pick up from that. And that more often than not, the deals are closed very, very quickly. You get to the heads of terms, you instruct the solicitors, their solicitors, and your own solicitors are heads of terms. And at that point, you've done everything because your solicitors will now tell you when they need something. Yeah. Or you've um, explained to the vendor what the, ven the what the benchmarks are. So can you drop me an email uh, when you get your um, pack, welcome pack from the solicitor? If you've not got it by this date, it's all templated. Um, can you let me know? And so everybody else is kind of controlling the timeline, but they've been given the timelines to work to. All I've got on my um, desktop is a, a little folder that says 2022. And then there's another little folder in there that says properties. Um, and then everything literally gets saved into there. Um, and then that's it. And it all goes in the Google calendar. And um, when I know what the exchange date is, so that I have to know in five years time, this is when I need to do something with that. But yeah. you, you, um, I do my own accounts. Um, because it's a bit of, of a memory jogger and you, you learn things about the figures so it tells you when to think about selling and so and other things will happen outside events so if a tenant's moving out and i've got that on a three-year lease option i'll have a quick look at the rents look at the purchase price and then i'll just say right i'm going to test the market to sell it if it doesn't sell we'll put tenants back in in two weeks time so there's other events that just direct your attention I, i'm not a long-term planner so, so there's no real process apart from the ones that you negotiate and 
you're just reading back because I imagine it is quite hard to remember that many negotiations at once. You just read the past couple of lines, which jogs your memory, and then once it's closed, it's passed on anyway. Then you don't kind of touch it until you're told what what you need. Um, I get that. Um, on, on the negotiations as well, I don't want them to sound like they're uh, really complex. It's, negotiations normally last like a day, two days, maximum of a week if I'm using timing on my side, uh, because you've already you only need to know certain questions from the vendors. You know, you need to get your anchor figure so you know whether you're purchasing the outstanding mortgage amount you know once they've given you that information you know that the deal can be done all you've got to do is we give them like two or three offers to choose one which is best for them so again it's, it sounds complicated but these are very very quick things they don't take too much time off at all yeah and then so that's negotiating and then i get you save them in a file for record to get that and then like on a day, a day you mentioned you do your own accounts and things and you look at testing the market when's best to sell can i put rents up and all these things do you do a little bit of that daily is that a weekly review is that a monthly review or what because i imagine when there's that many deals historic deals as well as current deals that, that's probably quite a big task so do you do that weekly daily monthly quarterly what yeah no, the, the, um i keep a financial statement main financial statement on um on Excel, just because I update that every three months, because uh, lots of coming in and going out, I need to know when I've got money available. But as soon as the tenants in a property, that that's over to the letting agent. Now I'm partnering with the letting agency, which is a benefit because I, I sold mine. Um, but they'll just notify me when there's a you know a, a renewal that's come up. Um, the only thing I'm focused on is when the option ends, which has gone in the Google Diary, um, and then. The rest of my time now, to be honest, is is look at processing new deals, um, and I suppose I, I've no idea how long because I, I don't fix my time. I work until about one in the afternoon, but it, that can be on anything, personal life or whatever, and then I kind of close my laptop and, and disappear. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just to put it in context, it doesn't take very long to negotiate a deal when you're asking the right questions and you're waiting for the leads to come to you anyway. Um, once you've negotiated the deal, it's really gone off to the solicitors. So there's not a huge amount more for you to actually do now until you've passed it on to the letting agent or I, I pass it on to contractors to do refurbs if they're going to do a refurb. So again, none of my physical time is really put into things. Mm. They always come across as really chilled. And I'm thinking, how's this guy so chilled when he's like doing this many deals? I'm, I'm very goal focused. Don't get me wrong. I'm very goal focused, but I don't have property goals, you see. So I, that, that's probably why I don't give me a health goal. And then I'll be at the gym certain time and eat certain foods. But with property, it's it's just a way now. You know, a, a, a property comes along, you do a deal, you make money and you just move on to the next one. It's 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 the deal that I enjoy, not really everything else to do with the properties. So. So when, when are you going to stop at a certain point? Because there's no goal. Is it, are you just going to continue doing what you're doing forever? Is there a certain milestone, certain point, or what? What? What no, is it? I'll, I'll just keep. I, honestly, I'll just keep doing it because it, it's there to do. You know, when when you do something, you, you it. I can't explain it. You just you just do it. I don't even kind of keep track of the financial side of things apart from. Right, at the bottom of my financial statement, these are the acquisitions I've got going through. This is how much option consideration I need or how much I'm going to need for that. Okay, and I've got another list showing where money's going to be coming in from. And that's all I look at is, am I going to have enough money at, at that time? 
to do it. Yeah. Yeah, fair play, man. Fair play. Um I don't want to sound like I'm a bit laissez faire, but um I am laissez faire because you know when you when you're working daily, um, because I used to work you know, in the Latin agents in the state, when you're working in it, you're always working at something, but you'll find that most of that time's wasted. And people talk about becoming a, a full-time property investor. I, I wouldn't know how you could do that because I don't know where your time would go if you were a full-time property investor. You would be you must be wasting a lot of time. I, I literally had a conversation with someone this morning about the same thing. People have this in their head and it's pushed online. Leave, quit your job, go full-time in property once you get a three three grand a month and all these figures are banded around. Like it's not full, that's not full-time. It's not even a part-time position. You get five or six properties that you manage that replace your income. That's not like, and then what yeah, what are you gonna do? It's it's not full-time in property. That I, I completely agree. And you know, if you're finishing at one doing the level of stuff that you're doing that's not even full-time i don't it, start know? i don't start until half 10 either <laughs> oh yeah just rub it in <laughs> um so yeah that leads on to the last question was just around fitness so you've went through a um sorry the sun's right in my eyes if you uh if you're watching this on youtube um you've went through a huge uh fitness transformation um where you, you were telling me about where it's, it's all down to goals and you've been really strict with your tracking of calories and how much you've been in the gym. Um, what do you think that that is down to? I mean, you've got to have a strong mindset. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to have your goals. I know you do like sort of daily and weekly goals over this period that you've done. So maybe just some, some tips, advice on what you've done and how you've done it for anybody wanting to sort of transform the way that they look. Because it was how many stone was it? It was quite a substantial. Yeah, six, six, six and a half stone. Six. I'm just going to shut them blinds. Six and a half stone. So how did you do that? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I've done. I've I've kind of done weight loss before, but it's never stopped. As soon as you finish, you know, your routine, you 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 put the weight back on. Um, and it's going to sound like I'm pitching this. I am kind of pitching it because. I'm so impressed with the online program that I did, and we haven't discussed it. So you, you, I've not, I'm not promoting it as such. But I've like negotiated the discount with them, where the referral fee I don't get, they will get it. But what made a big difference is an online coaching program. And it was something as simple as, and it never occurred to me before, is that every morning when you get in, you go onto the platform, and you click, "Have you done your ten thousand steps?" Have you drank your three liters of water? Have you done your cardio? Have you done your weight? So it's pre-programmed for you. And just knowing that you've got to get up in the morning or at the end of the night, you've got a tick in the box, keeps you consistent. And it is about consistency. So yeah. overall, the, the, the biggest part of it is you've got to get your nutrition right, but you need the education about the nutrition. And then it's the exercise as well. So the biggest, my takeaway was that you've got to eat less than you burn which a lot of people don't realize, but what it, what it is, most people don't realize what they consume. So, you know, I was in a, a restaurant the other day and I was looking at the meals and the meal I was going to have was 1700 calories, but I'm on like 2000 calories for the day. So I'm thinking, you know, what, what can I do? And, and that's it. So it's, it's definitely consistency and it's definitely having a plan there, but also being part, part of a community as well. It comes down to discipline, but discipline is always a lot easier if you've got something that you can just follow rather than thinking I'm going to get up and go running at five in the morning or whatever. But it comes down to steps, nutrition. And I mean, I went overboard as you saw, um, Yeah, but th that's just me. I set my own goal, but it wasn't the goal they set me up. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think you know the things from taking away from what you said there is you know the discipline of business can be applied into health and fitness in any part of your life really. And if you're disciplined enough and consistent enough, then you can achieve whatever you want. I mean, I imagine if someone said to you, you know, how, was it about a year and a bit you done that transformation? Yeah, yeah. fifteen. They said you're going to look like this in a year and a half. You'd probably think, I don't know how on earth I'm going to do that. But but you know you've done that with consistency and you didn't let yourself off and you were disciplined over a period and you could never achieve that overnight or in a couple of months not in a healthy way anyway um, which some people look for they look for the easy quick fix yeah. it, what's important though is that 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 finished in August and I've not actually put a lot of weight on in fact I'm just going through I've just signed up for a year so I'm going to go for a bigger goal now. Um, so uh yeah i mean you you've got to kind of build it into your lifestyle but one point that i will make is that and it's relevant to property investing is that your confidence level goes up but most importantly it's your energy level and we had this conversation you're feeling a bit bit tired now you just when you're tired you don't pick up on things in conversation or you don't get back to vendors quick enough or most of the deals i find are done on um saturdays and sunday mornings when you've got email address for the vendors yeah in fact, quick, quick top tip is the way that you um, get the email, uh, email for the vendors when the agent's showing you around is say to the vendor, can I have your email address because I want to get an offer to you tonight or Saturday or Sunday when the agency is not open. And they'll, they'll give you the email address even in front of the agent and just say you're going to copy the agent in. And then what you'll find is you often get the deal agreed by Sunday night. But if your energy levels down, you know, come Sunday night, if you're going to send something, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, no, no, you're completely right, and that's just down to having a young baby, uh, in, in the house and lack of sleep, and in and after a of realization over the, this four months since he was born, like your your mental sharpness, your efficiency, and that's just at work. Never mind the gym, like is so much lower when you don't have a full night's sleep. And there's this hustle culture online that you need to get up at five o'clock in the morning, work all day, and work seven days a week. Like that's not that's not healthy and you, you sometimes aren't as efficient if you work a little bit less and prioritize your health, your fitness, your sleep, then you're probably going to perform better in the window that you you, you need to perform. And, and your, your testament to that, I mean, I don't think there's many people doing 40 deals in a year, plus being in the gym four or five times, plus, you know, being there for your family, finishing at one o'clock and starting at 10.30. I don't think there's many that are doing that. There's obviously some and there'll be some that do more majority are doing are doing less than that um what i would say terry though is when i was when i was working full-time in businesses before covid i wasn't hardly doing any property deals when covid came in like last year when we had the first interview and since then it's when you start having giving yourself that mental break um the, the ideas start coming to you so you might have a conversation with a vendor and if you're having an evening walk or you're just sitting chilling or you, even something like the garden where it's slowly repetitive, that's often when your creative deals come to you. When you're actually working on something, you don't, it just doesn't happen. You're just thinking too narrow minded. You know, I'm going to get it for this price. But something will click with you when you're giving your mind a little bit of a break. Yeah, I just actually heard that recently. I don't know what that was on. I think I heard that on a podcast or something. That someone said that, you know, if you're doing like some... Not that I like DIY, but if you're doing some DIY, some garden, just some mundane task, that is sometimes when you don't really need brain power. That is when things start to come to you. And again, I'm, I'm experiencing a little bit of that by selling the, the main business that I had 
you know, I don't have had that much on and I am starting to get creativity. It seems like it's coming back where there was a period I was pulled from pillar to post that much. Mm. The creative stuff wasn't happening as much as it used to. So completely agree with that. Um, I think that's a, it's a good way to end. I think, you know, there's a lot that you can take from the way Mark is and the way Mark conducts himself, the way he looks at deals, um, but the way he lives his life as well. And he's certainly not doing this hustle culture shit where you're up at five o'clock in the morning and working until 10 o'clock at night and he's still doing huge volume in, in, in doing the type of things that a lot of people aspire to do within the property space. So, um, yeah, thanks again, Mark. I really appreciate it. Learned loads there again myself and I made some notes there. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on, mate. If, if anyone wants to reach out to you or follow you or uh, ask any questions or on lease options or anything like that, is there, is there a best way? Yeah, I, I only do Facebook. Yeah, nothing else. Just Facebook, just Mark Shaw on Facebook, yeah? Just not, yeah. Although uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my profile photograph today, I think, to my before and after. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, do that. Well, you won't miss that one. I bet you there's no other Mark Shaw with that before and after. So, <laughs> so you don't think I'll get confused. But um, I'll check them out. It's a, it's a really, it's quite a crazy transformation, to be fair. Um. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate your time again. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Brilliant. Thanks, Terry.